Transient Mike for Trek Series. All right, so welcome back to Transient Mike for Trek Series. We're here once again in the studio today with a friend of ours who's always been uh, great to hang around, J Dub. He's uh, been in Austin. He comes come by way of Dallas and California and a little bit of time in Waco doing some things out there. So it's kind of like a full circle. We're glad to have you, J-Dub. Thank you for, for coming in today and laying down a track. How you been, man? Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm fantastic. Um, you know, it's been a crazy winter, so... Yeah, well, we're thawing out, and that's what—that's the point of this series. We're going to really start to to bring in these artists in our little. How do you like our studio? It's just like a, a man. I love when when you wind something back after after playing it, and it goes <laughs> in your headphones. It's that's so because cool. the sound is pure. There's no there's no little pixels in there. Exactly, and it's crazy. You forget what that sounds like. It, and it's what what I like about uh, like I said it's it's a studio where we're centrally located. You know, here in Austin, and so you get you still feel that that pulse here and uh and and that's what you have you, your song has a pulse you're with astro tech right now you, you put out a little ep that was recently i went to your yeah your yeah eight, eight songs so uh ep was was a cheap way to market stuff to to people at the extended player so we call them a qp it's a quality player i like that qp <laughs> Soon to come. Well, that was so. Astrotech is your your project, and you have uh, how many bands are you in exactly? Uh, there's just Astrotech, and then uh, I do some solo stuff. Uh, just you know, as an outlet to for the songs that I write, and some of those songs become Astrotech songs. And now, you know, you guys kind of you told me to bring something electronic. Now, crazy things are happening. Well, that, yeah, when we first met you again, we were at that jam session, and. Uh, you know, Jeremy told you to come on out, bring your guitar. And so I know you like acoustically and there's some great stuff. We share a lot of passion for folks like Tom Petty and, you know, yeah. just on down the road, just all these songs that we were, we were playing on the, on the uh, porch there. But, you know, we did want to bring something that was electronic, something that kind of defines, because Austin's got so many sounds, you know, and I like that. So today we, we recorded a song uh, that you just wrote, right? When You Sweat. Mm -hmm. And you, I guess the way you described it, it's kind of a metaphor for the things that we have to do in order to get what we want. Uh, yeah, that would be the nutshell. But um, first of all, like my interpretation of the song, even though I'm writing it, isn't more important than what anyone would interpret. So if somebody hears a lyric wrong and this is what the song's about to them, I think artists love to hear that stuff because they didn't intend Yeah, that well, at see, all. the first, just on title alone, when you sweat, it sounds like sexy. I'm like, oh, okay. This yeah. Is, you know? Well, that's kind <laughs> of, that's, was, that's the, first, the first step of the metaphor. As a hook to the audience, it's like, okay, you see someone you want, what do you do? But really the song is about, you know, there's a, there's a point in, this, in the lyrics where it says, um, the wisdom to know when to go to war for the sigh of peace. And it's a peaceful person knowing something bad is about to happen and doing something about it versus letting peace be something that just, you know, isn't, in that case, it's alive. The peace is alive and the discernment is alive and it's balanced within that individual. That's great. That's great. Well, with that, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and play the song. Jeremy was a Mexican, again, using our four-track Tascam 44 we're going to play that song for you. We'll come back and you can share the process with us, how you guys put it together and what you found exciting and all that good stuff. So, yeah, we had a blast. All right, let's, let's roll it.
<laughs> All right, we're back. Uh, we're <laughs> okay. All right. I feel like I was surrounded by angels. <laughs> okay, When You Sweat, the new track by J-Dub. And uh, tell us about, about the day here today. I mean, what, what did you find most interesting? What did you find uh, when you had to use this, this tape deck? Like you said, going backwards was cool, but what about going forward? Well, um, you know, Jeremy wanted to... To, he had eight channels to work with so we got up to seven and um i had that plan coming in and so i mean i was just surprised by how easy it was because you know i put this rig together for this gig with a synth and a couple other things and it took us a minute to get everything working got got some effects and cool things happening and uh jeremy just made it really easy plugged everything in um it was really fun to deal with you know when you're when you, if you have to ping pong down or when you're dealing with the number of tracks on the tape machine, uh, the limitations are awesome because you just you have to make a call and, and deliver. And uh, if you don't have to make that call, then sometimes a project cannot move forward as a result because of all the options. Exactly. I, I mean, I came in kind of the tail end of the, that session, and, and that's part of the fun of tape, I think, and, and that's why we're, we're rolling out this series and bringing artists in to say, you know, let's, let's scale it back or, or use all eight channels or, you know, double it up and make it 16. But I'm glad you, you came in with a plan, and that was the thing, is you, you chose a song. And I like the way it sounds. I think it's a great, great addition to our series. And, and you can find out, you know, more about you and, and go, go to your website. You know, we have some links below to find out about, you know, hear Astro Tech and, uh, and listen to some of the songs you're putting out. I, I like them. I know uh, after we met, like I said, I, I remember hearing the acoustic guitar stuff that you were doing, mm -hmm. but you, you have a register and you have a key that you like to stay in that's kind of, it, it kind of floats up above, you know, talk some music with me, but what are you? Yeah. It's um, a, Well, it, you know, it's in the blend between uh, chest and head voice. And even the blend, head voice to falsetto. In there, there's lots of cool stuff that shows up. And I think what a lot of singers like me, like I'm really songwriter oriented. I really would love to sing like Frank Ocean, but I'm not that that technically like beautiful or naturally gifted. I think what I'm good at is I like to disappear into the song and become part of the landscape and move the way the drums push me and the way the melody. Well, you know, push it's me. funny because I was when I was listening. There's something that I couldn't. I did. I said his. The sound and the notes and the register, the way it's floating up and you know up and down, yeah. I, I kept thinking, who do you remind me of? Who do you remind me of? Because I, I love to do that, and I always like to associate something just as a reference point yeah. for all the music I listen to. We have so many reference points, right? Yeah. And mine are not always equal to yours, but you're gonna trip out on this one, or maybe you're, you're gonna see it. I saw, I compared you when I figured it out. It was Sade. Ah! Did, I don't know. So awesome. Do, do you, can, All right, you win the jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna use that. I got my effects hooked up here. So bear with that, guys. Okay, Dude, that's that's can, so sweet. Can, I love her. That's that's what it was. Stuff. So I could because yeah. and what was throwing me off because it was a male voice. Right. And and I and I made the connection. I think choruses did that to me. Every chorus, the you know the vocalist kind of needs to go up. And yeah. Then, it tends to sound pretty good or it sound desperate and dramatic if you're in that range where your voice kind of cracks in between. Mm. The but, you know, Sade has that, she, you know, that like ordinary, like, dude, if you did a, a cover of No Ordinary Love from your perspective, that would <laughs> yeah. be like, that would be a great cover because I could see you interpret that and make it your own. Yeah. And partly because she's in, in the same zone that you are. Right. And the, another person that came up to my mind when I was listening and I started there, I said, well, you know, I hear some shades of Robert Palmer 
back in the day in the early 80s because there's some some of that synth when he broke out with uh riptide and and some of the other stuff he was doing after that mm -hmm. and i think that you know i can hear that too there's just just a like, little inflection where you go up or down at the very end of your phrasing uh -huh. you know and it kind of hovers there which is you know like this ambient uh vocal you know instrument instrumentation to the voice that lends into it so it's great i think it's good i, I think you use it uh tastefully man so, yeah thank you david yeah so let's talk about uh how you came to be j-dub the origin of j-dub which is your nom de plume uh, uh -huh. we won't we won't if you really want to know what his real name is you have to search the internet and go down the, <laughs> the rabbit hole see if you can figure it out right, right. but uh i, I think know there's some picture online of one time when i got arrested so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it as to what for if you want to share but not right now uh i think uh it started out you and i were talking and uh about fader dub you were you were you mm -hmm. were i think you were in baylor right you were in rtf program uh, program and then you were attending with this other gentleman uh, was it chuck chuck fader yep so tell me tell me about that experience out there uh so yeah i was in a rock band through college and uh you know it really fed me i just really put a lot into it and felt like i got a lot out of it and then i moved out to la and was starting over again so i started to compose electronic music but um I had originally heard these really cool compositions even prior to that by my friend Chuck Fader, and we took uh, I took one of his compositions that was this rhythmic. Um, it was like he had talked like I'm talking right now, mm -hmm. and then he had plugged it into a sampler that had reorganized it into and these little fragments of speech, but it was rhythmic. So I put it to a beat and I put it in a song and I sent it to him and he was like, "Oh my god!" and like. He would send me other things. I'd say, oh, my God. That's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> so, and, and so I became the editor-producer to kind of put together things around his aesthetics. But I wanted to back it up a little bit before that because you were in RTF. That's what we have in common is that we were right, in right. RTF, Radio, Television, and Film. And yeah. you, were, you were in Baylor doing that. And something, something kind of changed for you where you, you really didn't feel like you could be in that world anymore, right? I mean, that's much... That's what, like I said, I have that same feeling. You either either be, being jaded or understanding you don't have enough money, or I don't know what. What was it for you? Uh, you know, in LA, just uh, to be able to hustle and like go find the work and then do the work. You know, I I had uh, a friend named Dave who got me some gigs on uh, some as second assistant camera. I actually worked on one movie with Pat Morita, uh, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Before he passed, he was really funny. Wax on, wax off. Yeah. yeah one, one day he was he was. <laughs> Tire. He would look at me and he would say, "It's just show business, John. It's really? just show business." That's cool. Yeah. But the way he would say it, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So then you decided that. But uh, it was a long time before you know. I was I was pretty young and arrogant, and I was like, I want to write and direct. And before creative control, I mean, you know, as a, a camera assistant, you don't have any creative input, but you're right there and you're learning mm -hmm. all the time. So it was clear to me I didn't have the passion to to pursue that, you know as long as I, music just snuck up at the same time and i was programming and composing and playing and having too much fun yeah and that's what's good so you you hooked up with chuck and the two of you came up with 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 fader dub yeah and 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 that was in la doing gigs mm -hmm. out there and i i don't is that available on the internet too some fader dub stuff you know i can i i need to get some up because i've got some that i've remastered and uh yeah it was just really aggressive electronic music mostly instrumental and uh, we were into Aphex Twin and Square Pusher and a lot of that. Back then it was IDM, Intelligent Dance Music. 
Now it's just electronic. Yeah, EDM, right? EDM, yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, that's the thing. I, I like I like dance music. I, I mean, I, I my, for me, it's new wave and, and going back, you know, that yeah. way. But, you know, my son, is, is a huge, he's a huge Daft Punk fan. And, I love him. You know, and so for me, I think that there's there's just so much to explore out there. And the way it's all fractal, I mean, there's, there's just not any one thing you can latch on to sometimes anymore. It just all bleeds together. Mm-hmm. And what becomes synth pop and what's new wave and I don't know. Yeah, just, and our associations thereof that, you know, could if we were living in another part of the world, like would be different and you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and but Astrotech to me does does have a retro sound to it. Yeah. I well, mean, I'm glad you said new wave because I, you know, when I began electronic music, I thought I was all cool, like these edgier, you know, Apex Twin types. But really, where I wound up was a little more Depeche Mode, a lot more New Order. Mm-hmm. I, I was really, going to say that was the other reference that I, I hear New Order in there too. Yeah. And and that's that's I love that stuff. That for me yeah. that that and there, there is a there is a good Austin scene happening. I know that uh, Survive was right. I mean there was that whole synth thing going on for Stranger Things and mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things happening. I mean are do you kind of put yourself in that realm with Astrotech? I mean do you guys yeah yeah Astrotech loves Stranger Things. I love that. Um, another great example is Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. If you see that movie, um, the synth through that it's like a '70s sci-fi movie and it's analog synth it's just rich and fat and they probably trap tracked a tape guys yeah that'd be cool i mean because that's how you get that that, you're that retro feel i think because i heard it when we were playing it back here you can already it's like you can hear the difference yeah and that's there's just not a barrier there's not a boundary around each instrument everything is is more of a cohesive whole Mm -hmm. you know there's another movie, I mean, because again, talking RTF, I saw the new Blade Runner, mm-hmm. and they try to hark back to the Vangelise a little. And, and, and to some degree, if you're, if you're loyalist to the Blade Runner original, you're like, oh, it's not really, it's not really the same, but you got <laughs> to understand. It's not supposed to be the same. Yeah, exactly. You got to understand there's a whole new generation that they're going for, and, and in that degree, I mean, I think it was successful. And it's funny because my son would argue with me because he's, he's, he's a purist that way. And sometimes yeah. if, you're, if you're too pure, man, it, it, it does, I don't know. It's hard to, to walk that fine line because like a survive doing something new and owning it, I think they are, or, or, or are they just rehashing what's out there? I mean, that's, that defines what a genre is, right? Yeah, I mean, and you're looking for the best combination of the two. I mean, you want to keep what's good about the past. And I think that's important. You know, I was thinking about this today while we're, we're tracking the analog tape is like someday there'll be some component in the preamp that's magnetic oxide. You know, and they'll just find a way to kind of house what happens here in a little cell. And as the sounds pass through, they'll learn to. Okay, you know. but don't don't talk too much. That's under patent, under development. We own that here, Transient Mike. That's okay. gonna that's gonna be our money maker. There you go. So, so but you we're gonna have to edit that out. Dude, that's a brilliant idea. It's just something about it. So that that component mm. will remain. It'll change form. You yeah. know, and like I mean, I love working this way. And then. But if we had unlimited tracks and all that, would we? I know lots of producers who would say, "Well, I love to edit," and they, you know, mm-hmm, and they, mm-hmm. and it just forces you to remain disciplined and not get lost in all the options. But I think that creativity is honed and learned in a situation other than that. And so, what, tell me about AstroTech when you were recording the newest one. Where, where did you guys do that? We're uh, we're in pre-production for that. So I've demoed but out the one with the eight songs. Uh, oh, this one that's done. Yeah, yeah. we. Uh, so one decision that really helped was we kept the drums entirely electronic and uh next record we're going to record trap set so the songs were pretty much built except for guitar and vocals 
and uh you know everything else kind of takes place in the box and the producer claudio ramirez had his bass lines had everything all performed i went to his house and you know just in his home studio we did guitars we did vocals and you know kind of like here he would have me do whole takes and he wanted the whole take and then we'd punch in a couple of things but you know it was very musical like that like play the whole song and, and I, I really like that. and that was uh, at a home studio and that's why we, we, we had to talk about that because i know uh, once you left LA and came back, there was a part where you you went and you did uh, media tech, right? You went you went and got that's right, yeah. Started to learn how to because I mean I, that's one thing I do know about you already. Just in, just in being here today, you, you have a name for everything. You know, all your uh, cables and, and <laughs> jumpers and I mean sometimes I wish I didn't. <laughs> I mean, but that's what's great. I mean, it's good to have that much knowledge of it. Do you feel like like a, too much knowledge gets in the way, or do you feel like? Yeah, it, I just think like you've got your technical mindset and then you've got your creative mindset because and you teach this too right to yeah. folks you teach what else do you teach you teach voice and you teach and uh yeah acoustic and electric guitar um piano slash keys um could teach some bass although i can hear some bass player friends groaning in the background mm -hmm. but <laughs> do you find yourself on both sides i mean as a teacher you know you have to say one thing and then as a performer you used to say well forget what i taught now let's yeah you know you just play yeah um yeah that's that's an interesting phenomenon i think you know i have a love-hate relationship with teaching because it's a it's a model of playing music which is what i love to do so it can kind of get you close to the fire but you're really not warm sometimes mm -hmm. but the other thing this is a big ego trip is that the kids will say things that really teach you you know or they'll look at it different from you or they'll ask you to give the official opinion on a specific aspect and you kind of have to make it up and go back later. Like, you know, usually you get it pretty right on, but you, you're like, wow, I had to say what it really was, you know? And you have to teach them that and help them to understand that their interpretation is unique and that that's a key piece of the puzzle and everything that they're learning from you and everything they do musically is going to come through that lens and it's a good thing. I think it's tough though because with YouTube and seeing all these uh, ways to create music, I mean they're they're you know school of rock. I mean we're teaching kids. I don't know if they're mm -hmm. they're, they're prodigies so to speak, but they are getting access to this technology early on. Mm -hmm. They're learning their all their skills and the ins and outs of things early on. I mean these guitar prodigies. I mean I don't know hundreds and hundreds of kids shredding on guitars, right? Yeah. And what does that really get us at the end of the day? I mean are we really teaching them? how to how to really make great music or just how to technically fly up up and down the neck and on the keys of a guitar yeah, i mean of a, a good, piano good question you know it's um some people have a voice you know to to really want to express something musical and um you know i think producers are like this glue in that process insofar as they can sort of supply that need um, to an artist who really knows how to play, but kind of I couldn't care either way which way it was. I think, you know, someone who's motivated enough to invest and get that kind of ability to shred probably starts to care about composition, and, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's incredibly interesting, like, especially if you take songwriters that are storytellers and maybe you're not, like, going after their voice necessarily, but you just like them. Just because they, you know, like, to me, Tom Petty's voice, sometimes it's like an old Jeep Fender, or, you know. Exactly. It's like they're a, not perfect. I mean, the same thing with Bob Dylan, right? It was, they're not perfect. The reason why I bring that up for, for us, a transient mic as an organization, we are going to be in search of those folks that are very, very talented. Like we say, put in their dues, really worked hard at it. 
and really have something to say and, and, and try to bring it all together. And I mean, you know, that's, that's why you're in here today as a friend of, of ours, but also I know you, you're, you're trying to make it more than just something electronic. So, but you know, I, I think there's a, there's, there's so much going on in Austin that, you know, we hope to do our little part. We're going to try to get out there and find these artists and, uh, you know, I mean, we can go on all day about some of that, some of the theory and stuff. Because I know we were talking about some of those things in the chords. But is there is there anything you want to share with us in terms of the process? That- yeah, for me especially, you know, hearing the way other people interpret songs before I say what a song is about, you know, is really important to me. I think that's some of the art that gets created from the art that will really make you feel special. It's just that, um, you know, as pretentious as artists are, as pretentious as I am to want my music to change the world, it's like I want to consciously make each song have a specific impact. But then there's a part of me that says, no, no, if I control it, then it's going to be my brain or my aggressive male side or whatever it is, you know. So sometimes you channel these things and they come to you and you start to make sense out of them. But you know, before I talked with you today about the song, you know, last night I looked at the lyrics. I was like, really, what is it about? I'm feeling something as I play it. And the notes match the feeling and the words point towards the feeling. But I don't want to make an audience member like have this specific experience. Like you must sit down and watch Citizen Kane with headphones on. Mm-hmm. You know, because because what it is to me is not necessarily what it is to that person. And really, honestly, I'd like to know more about what it is to other people. Great. I've been yeah. up all night making this song. I already know how I feel about it. Do you get that kind of audience response afterwards? Do people come up and tell you what they were thinking, what they were feeling? Or is that I, you on know, the internet, you know, some sort of discussion? The a- best AMA? thing anyone ever said to me at a show was uh, at a CD release I did at Continental Club in 2013, 2014, 2014 in September. And uh, my friend Oscar was there with his longtime girlfriend, and they're still together. And we were, we did a cover. We did Love Comes to Town, which is a song that B.B. King did with U2 a number of years ago. And so in the middle of the song, we broke down to just the drums. And I said, how many songs you heard about love in your life? If you love somebody right now, I want you to lean over and tell them I love you. You know, and I said, if you, you know, if you see somebody that you like tonight, you walk up to them bold as love, tell them I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I'm, a, I'm just up there being stupid. And then I just said, said something like, if there's somebody who you care about and you've just never told them that you love them, say, I love you. And he said that to his girlfriend for the first time at that show. And they told me afterwards. Wow. And I was like, wow. You know, I didn't. So you made the love happen. Man. No, no. <laughs> I saw the love. I yeah, saw it. Love, and right? I told everybody about it. And it was going to happen. Anyway. Dude, that's, that is but a good I get story. I got man. to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Someone tells me that the RTF, and you could probably, you can ramble on if you really wanted to, man. Yeah. They gave me a radio show in college just thinking that oh, would get right. rid you of were, me. You were saying that. that, that yeah. Was, yeah. Tell me, were you, were you, those are the days of vinyl or CD? What were you doing? Are you CD, uh, right? We were doing CDs, but our PSAs were on the little little cassettes, very similar to 8-track. Um, they had vinyl, We still had vinyl in there, so I'd spend some vinyl from time to time. We were mostly on CDs, and then MP3s came in while I was there. Mm-hmm. So we had Winamp, like, you know, and I know. You just push play and let it go. I mean, and what was uh, you were? It was so it was college radio, so you were just doing anything and everything, right? No, yeah. no rhyme or reason. Just, yeah, every I feel two, like playing this. And then, well, college mix was a was a, a sort of a regular thing, but it was classical until the afternoon. And uh, yeah, I was production director, so we'd make all the sweepers, and I'd be like, uh, I'd you know, it'd be on the left speaker, then the right speaker, like, rock, indie, da 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 da, saying all these genres, and I'm like, hey. We even play classical in the morning. 
yeah. <laughs> some back. Yeah, so we had fun. All right, so yeah, so with that funky little pedal of yours, give us an outro though, since you want to have fun with it. This is the transient <laughs> Mike four track series. We out, y'all. When You Sweat was written, performed, and mastered by J Dub with select sample tracks by Chuck Vader, audio engineer and mixer Jeremy Fowler. This podcast was produced by Transient Mike, podcast audio and editing by Kyle Tom Chesson. The four track series was live tracked on a quarter inch reel to reel Tascam 44 tape machine using a vintage Tascam analog soundboard donated by the family of Mike McCormick. For more information on our nonprofit organization, go to transientmike.org or click on the link below. If you would like to be a sponsor, feel free to contact us at info at transientmike.org. I'm your host, David Ventura Garcia. Thank you for listening. Get a tape machine, you moron.